When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into another Nats Insider Podcast. Got a good one for you this week as we again go down on the farm. Going to be joined by Jake Lowry, the manager of the Fredericksburg Nationals. Doing a nice job there with the National Single-A affiliate. Talk to him about some of the players on his roster this year, what he's liked out of those guys, as well as what he and his players gained from watching Steven Strasburg make a rehab appearance for them recently. Nice opportunity for some young ballplayers to watch a World Series MVP up close. So good conversation with Jake that we'll play for you in a little bit. We'll also be joined by his pitching coach this year at Fredericksburg, longtime Major League reliever Joel Hanrahan. He's with the Pirates organization in a minor league capacity over the last few years, now joining the Nationals for the first year and doing some great work down there as the pitching coach with the Fred Nats. So he'll join us a little bit later on as well. And we'll play in my interview with Carl Edwards Jr., Nationals right-handed reliever who's been on fire as of late, doing a really nice job out of Davey Martinez's bullpen. And Davey familiar with Carl Edwards Jr. from their time together in Chicago. So a nice conversation with a veteran righty who's gotten his Nats career off to a pretty good start. First, though, let's play my interview with Jake Lowry, former JMU star, Harrison Berg, grew to love this guy in his college career there, eventually played in a couple organizations across various minor league levels, 10 seasons for Jake as a minor league player. He was a catcher, he played some first base, spent some time in the Nationals minor league system as a player, and now he's making his way up the ranks as a minor league manager as well, doing a fantastic job at Fredericksburg this year and really enjoyed this conversation with Jake. So we'll play that for you now, my chat with Jake Lowry, the manager of the Fredericksburg Nationals. Jake, thanks for taking time and doing this, buddy. Good to see you. Uh, How you doing? I'm good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on, Dan. And, um, and, you know, anything to help out these guys in, in the lower levels of the minor leagues to get to the big show. Yeah, we love, uh, I mean, obviously we cover the the big club every day, but uh, I love giving fans an opportunity to learn not just about the top prospects in the organization, but about some more under the radar names, guys that are putting in work every day and grinding and are, are you know, putting up good results and uh, trying to wait, work their way up to the big leagues. So um, let's start with you know, just kind of broadly what's been going well for your team this season. What have you liked about what you've seen out of your group thus far? Well, we started off really hot. Um, you know, we were 17 and nine at one point. Uh, we're 20 and 20 now. Uh, so going through a little bit of a slide, but as part of the season in the minor leagues. Um, but we've had really good starting pitching. Uh, Ronnie Theophili, Andre Lara, Brian Caceres, um, some right-handed starters have really helped us out. Uh, we've had a pretty good bullpen, a good mix of uh, some college arms. Um, and then some, some guys, some international free agent guys that have, you know, worked their way up from Florida. 
but our, uh, you know, our main, our main guys are, are kind of like our offense, you know, the Brady houses, the Sammy Infantes, uh, the Via del Pena, Jeremy De La Rosa. Um, we've, we've had some really good offensive uh, output so far, but um, you know, like I said, going through a little bit of a slide right now, but it's all, it's all part of the growing. Yeah. We'll get to Brady house in a minute. Everybody wants to talk about Brady house and hear about him. And, and I do as well. We'll get to him in a second, but you mentioned a couple names there in Jeremy De La Rosa and Vidal Pena that have put up really strong numbers thus far this season. I had a chance to meet uh, Jeremy at Instructs last fall. Seems like a really good kid. What can you tell fans about the two of them, uh, their skill sets? It, it looks like, especially with Jeremy, he's got some pop. He can run a little bit. He's hitting for average. He's hitting for power. And the numbers for Viadel are, are off the charts as well. Yeah, no doubt. No, uh, Jeremy's a, he profiles as like a center fielder. Um, he runs things down. He's got a really strong arm. Um, he hits balls really hard. Um, you know, our, his exit velocities are routinely over hundred miles an hour. He can, he can stay in the left center, right center, uh, left-handed bat. Um, you know, he's a great two, three, four hitter. Um, I like him in the two spot, try to give him as many at bats as he can. Um, but he's put strong numbers. He's had a really good May. I think he's hitting over, you know, close to 400 in May, uh, had a four hit game the other day. Um, but his, his maturation from last year to this year, um, is, is lights out. Uh, you know, he's only 19 years old. Um, and he's just, he's made huge strides in his game, just the total, total package. And, uh, Viadel Pena, he's a one, two, eight, nine hitter, switch hitter. Um, he's, he's got himself in shape. Um, he's doing a great job controlling the strike zone. Um, both these guys steal bases all the time. It's fun to watch. Um, you can send these guys from second in a heartbeat on a single because they're, they're, they're eager to score. You know, they, they, they've got 20, 30 runs scored. Um, and then someone else, I forgot to mention Jacob Young, another guy that gets on base, steals bases, great leadoff guy. Um, he's, you know, up there in the, in top of the league with runs scored and, and, uh, steals, but, uh, no, we have a, we have a really good offense Then these guys, these guys are, they're fun to watch, fun to put plug in every day. Um, let's, let's get to Brady now. His, uh, his numbers early in the season were really strong. And I think people around, <laughs> you know, the, the prospects uh, space that, that monitor these guys early on after they're drafted were, were expecting big things from him and he's delivered thus far. Uh, what have you, what have you learned about Brady in terms of um, how he's dealing with the grinds of his first full season? I remember talking to him, to him at Instructs and he was saying he was really embracing wanting to learn through a full season and be a pro now. What have you noticed from him in that regard? No, he's, he's handled it beautifully, man. I mean, the attention he gets, um, the interview requests, you know, all that kind of stuff that comes with being a first rounder and, you know, you know, possibly the, the phrase of a franchise. Um, he's done a great job with it. You know, I think he's one of those guys that his parents did a great job raising him. Um, and he's kind of been in that limelight for a while now. Um, but no, you're right. The, the work in day in, day out, the going to the cage for his routines, the ground balls every day, um, you know, he's, he's embraced that part, but, you know, he's learning how to be a pro day in, day out. You know, they, I always tell him like, dude, you get a Monday off, man. Like you're going to get, you're going to play five out of six or six out of six. I'll, I'll get you a DH in there. But, um, you know, you want to post every day. You want to be a guy that plays every day, just like Trey Turner and, and Zim and all these guys that have come before him, you know, these guys posted, they played, um, so you're gonna get better by playing, but he's, uh, he's handled it beautifully. What do you think his power potential is? Uh, you know, you look at the numbers. We, we're not able to watch him every day like you are. And the power numbers early on, 
um, are, you know, he's, he's hit some homers, he's hit some gappers, but it's not off the charts power numbers. Where do you think his power could eventually turn into as he grows into his frame a little bit more and is comfortable seeing, you know, everyday pitching like you're talking about? No, you're right. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, he's he's a 20 homer guy in the big leagues at some point. He's a 70 power. Um, you know, like you said right now, you know, he only has three homers. But when I played in Francisco Lindor, he had like six when we were in low A, and that was through 500 ABs, and that guy's hit 40 in the show. So, yeah, um, as he gets older and grows in his big frame that he has, you know, he's 6'4", all, all of 6'4", uh, um, I think he's going to be fine. But for him to think line drives and and, and spray the ball around the field, um, that's going to that's gonna help him out with – he sees the most off-speed pitches in all of A-ball. It's a fact. And uh, so he's learning how to, you know, go through that as well. Let's go over to the pitching side now, Jake, and talk about some of your young arms. You mentioned a few of them a minute ago, but I want to talk about uh, Rodney Theophilia. Uh, his strikeout numbers are enormous early mm-hmm. this season, um, and he's doing a good job limiting runs uh, as well. Tell us a little bit about this kid, still just 22 years of age, uh, and not a guy that is, you know, on those prospect lists that that fans see. He's not towards the top, but it seems like this kid has a lot of potential. No doubt. No, he's he's another guy that he's made a ton of strides from last year to this year. Um, our, our credit to Joel Hanrahan is, is just being like a, a really good pitching guy, a guy that's, you know, he's a big league all-star, um, 100 saves in the big leagues. He's He's been great and smooth out some of these guys. Um, but Rodney's he's taken the, the workhorse mentality um, you know, he, he has struck out a ton of guys, but he really just tries to limit, um, you know, pitches per plate appearance and, and try to get guys out in three pitches or less uses defense. He's really only had like one hiccup in his last start where he gave up four runs with two outs, but everything else, I mean, he's just been dominant five, six, seven innings and, 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 and post him when he needs to, he's been, a, he's been, a, he's been, a, he's been awesome to watch. Joined by Jake Lowry, the manager of the Fredericksburg Nationals. He's here with me on Nats Insider. Uh, and Jake, let's let's talk about Dustin Signs, a lefty that I had a chance to chat with back at Instructs. Seems like a very poised kid. Uh, came out of college, so you know maybe a little bit older for the um, the A ball level, but seems like he has a good idea of who he is as a pitcher. Tell us a little bit about this guy. Yeah, Dustin Signs, he cracks me up every day, man. Uh, he's a he's a AM Aggie, so we always give him stuff about, you know, he's pitching in college. I'm like, hey man, your start, every start's Friday night for you. Yep. So um, but no, you're right. He's poised. Uh, he's a left-handed starter. Um, he's got a good fastball, good, good feel for his off speed. Um, he goes deep into games. That's what he prides himself on. It's going deep into games and and uh Strikeout numbers, ground balls, flyouts, like he's just trying to get outs out there. It, it's it's funny. He's, he has no fear, loves to attack. You know, he's not the biggest lefty out there, but um, I love him. He's funny. <laughs> Jake, you're a younger guy yourself. I think you're just 31, if I if I have that right. Uh, you played in the Nationals organization, um, did some catching, played a little first base as well. You've got a lot of kids that are, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, what do you think that your you know relative young age in terms of a managerial sort of role allows you to do um, in terms of relating to these kids and helping them through the grind of you know the start of their pro careers and the struggles that come with that? No, I mean, yeah, I played my 10 years. I played with the Indians. I played with the Nationals. Um, and I did, it all goes back to when I first started playing. I had two kind of a younger managers, manager hitting, co- hitting coaches, now the third base coach in the big leagues with the Orioles. 
And some of the, these guys just made it fun. And I just knew that as a player, like how guys that I've had in the system, Matt Lee, Croy, Randy Knorr, Trip Keister, um, these guys were, they made it fun. And they, and they always kind of took me under their wing and showed me things because I think they saw something in me um, that I wanted to do managing, you know, obviously when I was done playing. But um, being able to relate to the guys, kind of being with the times, but also, you know, telling them I've gone through a lot of things. You know, I've been, you know, promoted, demoted, you know, on and off a roster, you know, release, sign, free agent, kind of a little bit of everything, um, you know, all the way up. I think I can relate to them and I think they respect that. Um, but yeah, no doubt being with them, you know, the social media presence and, and having fun with some of that stuff. We've got a, we've got a great uh, social media presence here in Fredericksburg and these guys love it, obviously with the, the millennial age of it. But, um, you know, I told them, you know, talk about it, taking to your advantage and, you know, being careful with it, but no, we have fun. You know, these guys, they know when it's time to work, but um, you know, just kind of keeping it loose as much as we can, but also we're going to get our work in when we need to. But um, you know, like you said, the younger guys, um, I think sometimes they gravitate someone, you know, someone that's a little bit closer in their age. And you've got a, a relatively young pitching coach as well. You mentioned Joel Hanrahan, longtime big league reliever, had a lot of success at the big league level and now is dipping his toes uh, here in the Nationals organization in uh, the a pitching coaching role. How do you think his success that he's had at the big league level allows him to uh, either approach the game for, from some sort of a perspective or what it does uh, to allow his pitchers to trust that this guy really knows what he's talking about and can help them get to where he was? Well, for for me, someone like Joel, who's he's got, you know, seven, eight years in the big leagues and he'll be a big league, you know, uh, pitching coach, bullpen coach at some point in his career because that's what we're trying to do. Um, he's had so much success. You know, he's come back from injuries before. Um, he's a guy that um, he's, he says it lightly, but it's so true. He's like, I've seen so many things in this game, like nothing really surprises me anymore. And I don't think, you know, some of these kids, they only see like how they did that day or, you know, what the future holds. And Joel's like, I've got this amount of time. He doesn't say this out loud, but, you know, he's like, I've look it up. He's been he's coached from, you know, rookie ball to triple A. He's got. He's seen so many things and he's helped so many guys get to, you know, the next level to the big leagues to, you know, high, whatever it is um, that these guys can trust him. You know, like he's, he's got a proven track record. Um, he's so easy to talk to and he steadies the ship um, in, in most of the situations. And he's been a great right-hand man for me. Jake Lowry, the manager of the Fredericksburg Nationals is here with me on Nats Insider. And Jake, I, I wanted to um, get your perspective on Steven Strasburg's rehab start with, you guys the other day, not from a standpoint of analyzing Strauss. We, you know, we've, we've heard a lot about, you know, how, how he came out of it. And we, you know, we've talked to him a little bit up here in DC, but I wanted your perspective on what your guys took away from that experience of getting to watch a world series MVP in their ballpark, in their uniform. And, you know, how that experience can benefit some of these young guys that we're talking about. No, I mean, it's 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 not every day that you have a World Series MVP, you know, you get to plug in the lineup. And I don't think a lot of guys really even know, like they know who Steven is. They know, you know, he was the number one overall pick, but they don't know all the the ins and outs, the things he's gone through, the the 14 years of, you know, MLB experience. And, you know, he's he's ridiculous. His numbers are awesome. And he's he's a guy that he's a face, you know, one of the faces of the franchise. Um, but 
you know, just for guys to kind of like you just peek at them and you're looking around, you know, they're looking at them. But just him going through his routine for some of these pitchers just to watch how he's managing the clock before a game. He's ready to go on time. He's not late. You know, he's got his routine and, and guys can see that. And it was fun for those guys. I know in the bullpen, they got to watch him from outside the pen because obviously you give guys like that their spacers, you're not throwing around guys in chairs and stuff. So um, it was fun for them to watch and, and uh, you know, just watch how he goes about his business because, you know, he's there to do his job and get back to the big club. But, um, you know, to for him to come down and just be himself and, and for guys to watch him, you know, you know, on a hands on experience, it, it was I'm sure it was something they'll never forget. You've been on a lot of minor league teams yourself over your playing career. You, you've experienced a lot. Can those moments, even if you're not necessarily having a long conversation with a guy, especially on a day that he's pitching, uh, can those type of experiences be ones that allow you to to glean something from it and use yourself? Uh, you, you've seen guys rehab, you know, in, in your playing days. Can that be something that is tangibly beneficial for guys? Oh, no doubt. Um, no doubt. You know, like I've done things with Zen. I feel like I played with him at every level when he was, you know, rehabbing different things. But, you know, he went to the same high school as my wife. So I told him about that and he never forgot that. Has some, you know, similar friends from him in college that I would catch in the offseason in Richmond. Um, but there's one there's one moment that stuck out when I was in Potomac. Um, Papelbaum was rehabbing. He started and he told Eric Fetty that if he – we got like, a, I think we got a couple of runs and he's like, I'll give you a certain amount of money. If you, uh, if you give a shutdown any right after this, you know, mm-hmm. like how important that is. And sure enough, he did. Cause Eric Fetty's Eric Fetty and he's a beast. And, uh, and Pap, you know, he, he lived up to his promise, but just the importance of, you don't need a big league closer to sit around and watch your game, but he sat around and watched it and, you know, chatted with some of the guys and, and, and talked about how important it is. If you get a run, we need a pitcher to go out there and get a shutdown name for us and, and get the offense right back in there. So I think it's so it's totally tangible. It's totally relevant, um, especially in the hitting side and the pitching side. But just these guys that they come down and they treat it as, you know, some of them maybe didn't have as long as a minor league career as others, but they they no doubt respect the guys and, and what they're going through. Jake Lowry, the manager of the Fredericksburg Nationals, a hell of a ball player at JMU, had a good long run in the minor leagues, and we're thrilled to have him in the Nationals organization making his way up as a manager. Jake, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Uh, Wishing you and your boys the best the rest of the season, and we'll be watching from uh, just a few miles up the road. I appreciate it, Dan. Thanks, man. Go Nats. Go Nats. Thanks, Jake. We'll be right back. Welcome back. All right, so we heard from the Fred Nats manager. Let's hear now from their pitching coach. Now, my conversation with Joel Hanrahan focused less on the prospects that he has working under him this year with the Fred Nats, less about the talent that he's helping to develop, and more about his personal journey. Joel Hanrahan, now 40 years of age, former second-round pick of the Dodgers, who went through a lot of ups and downs over the course of his major league career, broke into the majors with the Nats in 2007, appeared in 12 games for them, 11 of them were starts, and then transitioned to a full-time relief role in 2008. 
Spent all of 2008 with the Nats, pitched to a 3.95 ERA, then started 2009 with the Nats, eventually sent to Pittsburgh, and that's where he really blossomed as a reliever. Put together a couple great seasons, made a couple all-star teams in 2011 and 2012, finished his career in 2013 with the Red Sox, and over the last few years has really gotten into the minor league coaching. Uh, was with the Pirates organization for a little while, now his first year here with the Nationals. And I chatted with Joel a little while back to discuss this career trajectory that he's been on, what things were like for him throughout his big league career, and what he's learned as a minor league instructor over the last few years as well. Really enjoyed this conversation with a former Nats pitcher and now Nationals minor league pitching coach, Joel Henrahan. Joel, thanks for taking time. Good to catch up with you, and welcome back to the Nationals. Thank you. I, uh, thanks for having me on. It feels good to be back. So let's talk first before we dive into what this new role is going to be like for you. Um, let's go back to when you first broke into the majors. It was, what, 2007? You were a starting pitcher at the time, a former second-round pick, and you come over to the Nationals and you find your way up to what you had always been dreaming of in your baseball career. Let's just go back to those early days and what it was like for you to realize that goal and to do it in a Nationals uniform. Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, Jim Bowden and the guys, they came after me pretty hard in minor league free agency um, in that offseason of the six and seven. Um, you know, they told me there was a lot of starting opportunity. And, you know, for me, I, I continued to want to be a starting pitcher. Um, if I could have had that crystal ball, I would have probably, you know, tried to go to the bullpen earlier because it worked out better for me. But, um, you know, I, I, I came into spring training. There was there was plenty of competition, plenty of spots open and didn't make the team out of spring. But, um, you know, I went to AAA in, in Columbus and had great, great pitching coaches there with uh, Steve McCaddy, who spent a lot of time up in, in D.C. as well. And, um, you know, I got to learn a little bit more and um, see what it was like to pitch on the on the East coast, I had just been out in Vegas. So, um, getting over to, to Columbus and over there was a little bit change of, you know, learning how my breaking ball was better in, uh, in Ohio than it was in Vegas because of the altitude and air and everything. Um, but really, you know, just kind of went through that season and, um, you know, saw guys get the opportunity. I think Tim Redding had been up at some point. Um, John Landon got called up right before me. Mike Bassick had been up and down, so, you know, guys were kind of going back and forth. And uh, fortunately, there was a doubleheader in, in New York. And, uh, you know, they called my name. And um, you know, I had a little bit of an idea it was going to happen. Just kind of looking around, there wasn't many starting pitchers left in, in Ohio and or on our Columbus team. And, um, you know, I knew they had that doubleheader. So fortunately, I got up there. And, um, you know, I guess I did well enough in my first game to, to impress them, to get a couple more starts. And then uh, – I guess then the true the true guy came out at the end and they put me in the bullpen. So, but I got to make some starts with there and uh, you know had a great time and um, you know I wish I wish I could have worked out better as a starter, but you know what I uh, definitely enjoyed my time in DC though. And, and as you said, that paved the way for a a lengthy bullpen career and you had a lot of success there as well. We'll get to that a little bit later on, um, but let's just discuss now coming full circle and and rejoining this Nationals organization. A lot has happened with you personally in the time since 2007, 2008 until now. And a lot has happened with the Nationals organization as well. It's in a much different place than it was back when you donned the Curly W. Um, so what made this the right fit for you to come back to, to 
be a minor league coach here, a pitching coach at the low A level. Why was this the right opportunity at the right time? Um, well, so I met my wife when I was playing in DC, um, in 2009. So her family's all around that area. Um, you know, so that, that, that played a little bit of a decision with it for me. Um, you know, my, my kids, you know, I've got a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. They'll be nine and six here soon. Um, you know, so I, I wanted the opportunity to be able to do what I want to do in coaching and then also give them the chance to be around some family and, and see what a, you know, a summer being around family would be like, you know, it's hard for them. They put a lot of sacrifices into it. So for them to be able to be around some family, um, you know, they've got cousins up there in Virginia and, um, you know, they've got the lake house close by. So they get to kind of experience a little bit of everything being there in Fredericksburg. So that helps. And, um, you know, I was thinking about it too. When I, when I started my coaching career, um, I went out to the winter meetings when they were in DC and I remember talking to Rizzo and he said, you know, we don't have anything right now. Just keep working at it. And, um, you know, hopefully something will come up for you. So I had a great relationship with Rizzo when he, um, cause I think he, he's the one that was still there when he traded me to, to Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, we always had a good relationship, so there was no hard feelings about getting traded or anything. Uh, I thank him for trading me and not releasing me cause I would have released me. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's just – it's kind of funny how everything has come through D.C. You know, my first big league opportunity, met my wife, uh, winter meetings before I started coaching. I got – I was fortunate to uh, to be able to be on Torrey Hunter's staff for the Futures game when it was in D.C. So, oh, wow. um, you know, I got to go to the Home Run Derby there with my son. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of – kind of everything kind of rolled through D.C. So it was an easy, oh, easy choice for me. Yeah, why not come back and uh, and keep building those memories uh, Joel Hanrahan, former Nationals pitcher and now pitching coach for Low A Fredericksburg, joining me on the Nats Insider podcast. And, and Joel, there might be some fans uh, that aren't too familiar with how the, the hierarchy works or the process works in terms of building yourself up as a coach that would say, you know, last year you were a pitching coach at AAA in the Pirates organization. Why would a guy move from the AAA level down to the Low A level? But there's a lot more that goes into it than fans might expect. Give us your take on why um, low A was a good fit for you beyond the geography, uh, the geographical components of it, and how excited you are to be able to mold some up-and-coming arms in this Nats organization that have a lot of promise. Yeah, I mean, the way the way I talked to Dijon Watson about it, um, I've had a relationship with him before. You know, the minor leagues is the minor leagues when you're a coach. Um, you know, as a player, you want to move up rank and rank and rank. Uh, but the way I look at it as a coach is, you know, you're in the minor leagues, you're in the minor leagues. Um, you know, you see some coaches get promoted to the big leagues out of high A. Um, you've seen guys come out of college. So, you know, for me, it's um, you get that young group of guys that, you know, that are very excited to be there still. Um, you kind of get away from a little bit of the, you know, why aren't I in the big leagues? Why aren't I here? You know, you have a little bit like, when am I moving up? When am I moving up? Which, you know, there's nothing better than telling a kid he's moving up to the next level and, um, I think we're going to have that quite a bit this summer in, in Fredericksburg. I saw some guys down in Florida recently that, um, you know, they really like, you could see the, the hunger in them, the, the, they were eager to get out there they wanted, you know, they want to start games up already. And it's like, guys, this is your first and second bullpens. Um, you know, so it's going to be a fun summer telling guys like, Hey man, you're going to the next spot. It's time to go. Good work. And, um, you know, one of the things that I really liked, I've, I've kind of hit every level coming up through the coaching ranks. Um, and 
looking back into to 2018 when I was in the low A level and then seeing guys that I had again in, in 2021, seeing how much they've grown and how much they remembered. Hey, man, you told me that in 2018. And, and it's really now I start to get it. Um, it's just a different level of, of kind of coaching that you can you can do at that level. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, to working with the young guys and, you know, really teaching them how to be pros, too. You know, there's a lot more that, that comes into it when you think about the low A level. Um, a lot of these kids have never been away from home. You know, they've never been away from their girlfriends. They don't know how to do laundry, some of them. Um, you know, then you add in some guys that, you know, they don't know how to read the clock or read the schedule. Like, Hey, I got to be here at this time. And, you know, the, the responsibilities of being a pro. So being at that level, I think it's going to be fun of, of teaching them what professional baseball is like. Yeah. You really get to mold them at that level. And you're going to have a lot of young talent to, to get your hands on and to mold away. Um, Let's talk about your strengths as a coach. You had a, a lengthy playing career, and now you've been in the coaching ranks for a handful of years. Where do you see your strengths as a pitching coach? How have you been able to maximize what you learned in your playing days and turn that into digestible information for young pitchers that are hoping to get where you got? Yeah, so I've got a lot of experience um, of playing. I kind of did everything when it when it came to my playing career of you know, a high draft pick, a high prospect, not a prospect, minor league free agent, traded a couple of times, you know, so I've kind of done everything when it comes to the playing side. And, you know, so translating that into coaching, you know, one of the, the biggest things that I, fortunately, I, I can't play baseball anymore. I know that. Um, so I, I was able to overcome that at a um, early stage in my coaching career. So there was no like, well, I could do this. Like the game is really hard. And that's one of the biggest things as coaches that we have to remember is that the game's really hard. Um, we're going to struggle. These kids aren't in the big leagues for a reason, you know, not only is it their age, but you know, they're, they're lacking something to get to the big leagues yet. So remembering how hard the game is, remembering the grind and just being able to relate it, it keep, trying to keep it simple with them, um, not to overload them with information, but giving them the right information that we think we can, we can help them with. Um, you know, scouting reports in, in low A are going to be different than they are in triple A, but it's getting them used to what a scouting report looks like, getting them used to the preparation of, you know, I got to go out here every six days and five days, six days to make a start. Or, you know, I got to, I pitched an inning today. How am I going to be ready to pitch an inning in two days from now? So kind of teaching them the routines of what it's like to be a pro. It's funny you mentioned that you did a little bit of everything. That was actually going to be something I was going to ask you about as a guy that started and relieved and made two all-star teams, but also had some failure at the major league level. I would imagine that you can relate to a lot of what young pitchers are going through, regardless of the role, regardless of whether they're in a hot streak or a cold streak. You have some you know, wisdom that you can impart to them, and that has to be pretty valuable for a young kid. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think the biggest thing is is – telling these kids to try to take some pressure off of them. Um, you know, we, they want to build, put pressure on themselves to get to the next level, to make, you know, millions of dollars and be a, a hall of famer, be a long-term um, player, but, you know, take care of their families, take care of everybody, give back to the people that, that help them get to there. But they got to remember, like, you know, the, you can't add extra pressure to a, a game that's already hard enough. So when they add that pressure, it's added pressure that you just can't, you can't maintain it and you can't uh, live up to it. Most of the time it's, it's really hard. And 
I think if once they can realize like it's still a game, um, you know, it was fun. I was really good when I was 12 because I was having fun playing the game. Right. And now you add that pressure to it and you take, you try to make the game harder than it is. You're, you know, you're just going to fall. And that's what happened to me in 2009 when I was a national is, um, you know, they put me, I was closing at the time and I was like, Oh man, if I close and I can do this and I can do this, you know, maybe they'll offer me a, a multi-year deal. And I wasn't even close to being uh, ready for a deal, you know, but I added that pressure to myself and then, made a transition and just kind of said, you know what, I'm going to go out and have some fun, play the game, um, play it as long as I can. And then, you know, somebody will tell me that it's, my time's over or my body will. And uh, for me, it was my body. Joel Hanrahan, former Nationals pitcher, longtime major league reliever, and now a coach in the national system, joining me on the Nats Insider podcast. And, and Joel, I've heard from people that um, you've done a really nice job over the last few years at making mechanical tweaks for, for pitchers, at spotting something that you feel like can get them to a more consistent place or, or a different level of success. I guess my question is when you were pitching, were you good at self-diagnosing when it came to your own mechanics, or is that something that you've been able to learn and pick up on more once you hung them up and you've been able to view things through a different lens? Um, it's definitely something that I've picked up throughout the years. Uh, I was not a very good self-evaluator. I was not very good at knowing my mechanics. Um, I changed my mechanics quite a bit throughout the years. I wish I knew now what I knew then. You know, we always say that, but, um, you know, I, it's amazing how how far things have come in, in the pitching delivery and um, how much things have changed. Um, you know, you see a lot of the guys now with the, the shorter arm pass, um, you know, I, I, I thought it used to be long and loose and now it's, you know, short and compact and, and that's how guys are doing it. So I didn't know much about it. And I just, you know, for me, it's, it's paying attention to the kids that are out there and watching it. And, you know, if you're watching, I've watched enough baseball throughout my life to know what it's supposed to look like when it's good. And when you see it's good, you kind of, you know, take that mental snapshot and say, you know, what did you feel there? And, how can we repeat that? And just trying to get guys to repeat it as much as possible is going to, you know, get their mechanics where they need to be. And um, like I said earlier is trying not to make it too hard for them. I'm not trying to give them three, four delivery cues. It's, you know, if, if we can keep our back foot playing a little bit longer, maybe that keeps our direction in line better and gets our arm, our, our arm out on time. So, you know, there's, there's, it's kind of like that kinetic chain, chain of events. Like if we do this first, you know, then, you know, spot B, C, and D will line up if we get, you know, if we master A. Right, right. The, the, the catch-all term that's thrown around these days, which actually kind of frustrates me that everything is put into this this one term is analytics. Everyone wants to, to put everything on that one word, but it is a, a new world in a lot of ways. Now compared to when you were playing, there's so much more that's available in terms of the slow motion cameras, in terms of all the data that is out there especially now that you're going to be working with young kids that are some of them just getting their start at the professional baseball uh, you know, game. How do you plan on implementing some of those newer uh, pieces of information and ways of attacking the art of pitching as compared to just keeping things simple and working on mechanical cues that can get them in a good place? Well, every, every team will have their, their rap sodas with them that can, we can work with in the bullpen with and, 
Um, you know, everybody, every game has track man reports with it. So, you know, what the guy's spin rates are and their, the movement on their ball. And, um, just with experience, you know, like, you know, this guy has high spin. He can pitch up in the zone. This guy, you know, spins the breaking ball quite a bit. Let's, um, you know, let's have him throw a little bit more. And, and that's one of the things that I love about the nationals is they know that there's analytics out there, but it, they're not going to live and die by the analytics. It's, you still have to go out there and compete. The analytics is there as a tool. It's there to back us up. And, um, you know, for me, what I've noticed in the last couple of years is a lot of times the, the analytics, the data, the, the, you know, spins and movement profiles, it, it backs up a lot of what we see already with our eyes. And now there's just different terminology for it. Um, you know, a high spin guy, we used to call that the ball had late life to it. Um, or it looks like it gets halfway and jumps on somebody, right. You know, that's guy that probably had some high spin with, you know, low angles to it. So, um, I think the data is, is just the players want to see it and they want to know it. So we all know it. And, um, you know, it's going to be around for a while. I think, I don't know if it's going to stick around forever, but there's, there's going to be something new that comes around in a couple of years. And, um, you know, but if you don't know the analytics and you don't know the data, then you're going to get left behind. Joel, we'll wrap with this. I, I, I want to go into this podcast asking every guy who played at the major league level, who joins me over the course of this year, their number one favorite moment from their big league playing career. I know it's tough. You've got a lot of good ones. You saved a bunch of games at the major league level. As I said, you made two all-star teams. I'm sure you've got a wealth of, uh, of you know, joyous moments in your brain. If, if I had to ask you to rank them, what's the number one moment from your playing career? The number one. Um, ooh, man, that's tough because I've got about five of them that I could rattle off real quick. <laughs> uh, the number one moment. I would say probably um, the All-Star Game in Kansas City in 2012. Um, I got to come in. I was facing Billy Butler. I'm originally from Iowa, so I had – you know, my high school coach, my parents were both all there. brother, my wife was there, um, you know, friends from drove down and I got to face Billy Butler, who was the hometown guy. It was the ninth inning. Uh, we had, we had a pretty commanding lead, but, um, I got to, I ended up striking him out on a three, two count. Thank God he swung, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to take a walk, but, uh, it was definitely a ball and I struck him out. And then, I got removed from the game. I actually knew I was only facing one hitter. So I started walking off the mound and they were like, no, you got to wait. Cause like, you know, normally I just kind of, when I get my third out, the game was over. Right. So I just walked in the dugout or walk over to uh, the catcher. Um, so I get, I had to go back and they took me out and uh, Terry Collins took me out. Uh, he was the manager with the Mets at the time. He was the farm director with the Dodgers when I was coming up through the minor leagues. Oh, wow. And so we had a, a pretty good relationship and, we had a couple of good battles too that, you know, he tried to get me to move the bullpen earlier and I said, no. Um, so he removed me from the game. And then uh, the next day we found out that, or maybe not the next day, but about two weeks later, we found out that my wife was pregnant too. So um, we didn't know it when we were there, but she was, wasn't feeling very good. And so it was kind of, we found out in Kansas city, like, oh, I think you're pregnant. So it was kind of a little bit of everything. That's a, that's a heck of a one-two punch right there. You get to get an out in the ninth inning of an all-star game, and then you find out your wife's pregnant. That's a pretty good choice. Yeah, definitely. 
Joel Hanrahan, former national, now national yet again, the new pitching coach of Low A Fredericksburg. Joel, we're so pumped to have you back in the organization, man. Looking forward to seeing you more, talking with you more over the course of, of the year. And good luck this year, man. We're fired up for you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Happy to be back. We'll be right back. Welcome back. All right, so we've gone down to the farm for a couple interviews. Now let's go back to the big league club. Play my conversation with Carl Edwards Jr., Nationals right-handed reliever, signed to a minor league deal this winter, had a lot of success early in his career. A couple big years with the Cubs, won a World Series ring with them in 2016. Over the last couple years, he's bounced around a little bit. Padres, Mariners, Braves, Blue Jays over the last few seasons. And now he's here with the Nationals and is putting things together and pitching really well. Allowed three runs in his first appearance as a Nat, but since then he's been nails. And Davey's starting to trust him more and more in high leverage spots. Got a few big outs the other day to help the Nationals to a win over the Dodgers. And had a chance to catch up with Carl for a few minutes to talk about why the Nationals were a spot that he thought made sense for him when he was a free agent this winter and how he's developed as a pitcher at the big league level over the years. Really fun conversation with a guy who's learned a lot about himself and still learning as he gets deeper into his career. We'll play that for you now, my chat with Carl Edwards Jr. Carl, you've had a number of appearances now in this Nationals Uni. How do you feel like you're settling in here in D.C. and with this Nationals team? Um, I feel like I'm selling pretty well, you know. Um, it's a great group of guys here. Um, just another day of baseball for me, honestly. Um, that's, I think that pretty much sums up how I've been feeling so far. Just wake up every day happy, ready to come here, do my job, and see what happens. What's better than big league life? I mean, that's that's uh, doesn't get much better than that. Exactly. Let's talk about this offseason. You and I discussed this a couple weeks ago when you signed or when you came up to join the Nats here at the big league level. That the idea of joining a Davy Martinez, Henry Blanco, uh, Hickey. Jim Hickey team, guys that you knew in Chicago and developed relationships with, was really appealing to you. Did this seem early on when the Nationals pursued you like kind of a perfect landing spot for you? Oh, by far it was. Um, I remember the day my agent even called me. He was like, hey, these are the offers we have. and." I think the first team he named was the Nationals. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, that's okay. He was like, huh? I said, brother, Nats is it. He's like, what? I said, look, I know Hickey, I know Davey, and I know Blanco. I said, when a doubt, I said, I can go play over there. I don't care how good or how bad we are, but I would love to just play for them just because like they've, I've been around them longer and they know who I am and they will respect who I am and kind of just let me be CJ. So what, what is CJ? What, what is it that they allow you to be that allows you to be comfortable here? Um, just like more of just, just being myself, not trying to be a robot. And like um, Davey told me day one, he was like, hey, uh, I want you to work on your curveballs. So okay. And I, you know, kind of coming in, I knew that was something. And just me being CJ as like laughing, joking, playful, 
you know, stuff I do in the bullpen, stuff I do in the clubhouse. Like, I can just, like, really be, like, myself in my shoes. Mm. I'm not, like, around people that I kind of, like, feel like I have to, like, just, like, you know, be like a knot on the law, looking right. around, make sure nobody's judging you. Yeah. But here is just like, you know, come here and on, and like I told them, all I really want to do, I just want to be in the big leagues and pitching in the big leagues. It's funny you say that. It, it sounds like something to those of us on the outside, like a lot of teams, like, hey, just be yourself, man. You do your thing. But that's not the case. And you're not the only guy that said that. Josh Rogers has said that this organization has made him feel like he can just be his own self. Mm -hmm. Is that a unique situation? You've kind of bounced around, you've experienced mm -hmm. a number of organizations. Is that yeah. somewhat unique? Yeah, I mean, all organizations that I've been in has been awesome. It's just, you know, you get in some certain organization, you know, they have rules, certain rules right. that you have to, I'm not gonna say you have to go by, but you wanna go by just sure. to kind of like fit in. Um, just here is like, I mean, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. I mean, I had Davey with Joe Madden. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty much writes everything itself. Yep. And one thing I liked about Joe Madden that he said, and I feel like David the same way, if you think it's sexy, wear it. Mm. If you think it's sexy, wear it. I said, okay, I like that. And then, you know, and there's other things to that. Like, um, yeah, he said, if you think it's sexy, but also be comfortable, but also learn how to be uncomfortable was one of the other things. So, yeah, it's, it feels good to come into place and be comfortable, but it's also feel good to go in a place to be uncomfortable. You learn about yourself in those situations, yes. don't oh, you? Yes, you learn a lot about yourself. And when it's comfortable, you're flying high. You can't, can nobody tell you now you're on the pedestal. When you're uncomfortable, now you're trying to find and look around and see like, what, what am I doing? But in reality, it's just the nature of the game. Mm. You just gotta be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Like, like last that. night, I came in the bases loaded and two outs. That's not comfortable coming in. But I had to find a way to make it feel comfortable. Hmm. And that's what I did, made a way to feel comfortable and then go out for the next inning where I was actually, you know, pretty comfortable. Mm -hmm. Just like one of those things, it's kind of a tongue twister. No, but it makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Yeah. It, it does. Let's talk about your arsenal a bit. You mentioned Davey said uh, that they wanted you to work on your curveball. Mm -hmm. Also got that change up, which is like 91, 92. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we don't see many change ups. We thought on the air that it was a two seam fastball at mm -hmm. first. Uh, but it's a change-up. Take us through your arsenal and why this three-pitch mix has been effective for you. Um, I mean, mainly just because now it's me personally. I was, I've been in the league for some time now, and I think my scouting report is literally, you know, curveballs down, fastballs away. I have natural cut, so my fastball moves, mm -hmm. fastball moves. So it's kind of kind of become one-dimensional. If you get two pitches that goes one way, sure. it's kind of like, oh, well, as a lefty, let's look in. As a righty, just look away, crowd the plate, beat them away, you know? And a lefty, get off the plate. You know, you come in, just open up and fire. You know, mm -hmm. you can just let it rip. And then when I started throwing my change up, um, it was just something, I just picked it up. I always had it. I just started throwing this off season and my, the guy I was working with, he was, uh, his name is Sawyer Bridges. and. He was just like, bro, that pitch is nasty. He said, I, I really think this pitch is gonna separate you. And I'm like, why? He was like, because now you kind of create this split new, the plate, split a the bit. plate yep. more than just with your curveball and your mm -hmm. fastball. And um, so we just, we literally, from day one of throwing that pitch, we just started just putting it in the mix, putting it in the mix. Cause I tried a two seam fastball, but it didn't, I didn't get the same amount of depth I get on my changeup, which was so weird because I hold a circle changeup. Mm -hmm. 
and you know two seam fastball is here so it's like it's just trying to figure out but I couldn't get that amount of depth or that amount of run I would just get like a little bit so when I start throwing my changeup we started seeing a bigger difference mm. and then that's when we put it in our mind don't throw it you don't have to throw it slow it's going a different way make it feel the just same make as it feel the same as the fastball yeah. and I think that's pretty much what you know opened me up a little bit more how did you learn the changeup grip I always had it really a funny story when I was with the Cubs and minor leagues, they used to always tell me about a changeup because I was a starter. Mm -hmm. I didn't I was, I was a change up. My head young, I'm thinking change up. No, it's too slow. They're going to hit it. But in reality, they see hard, hard, hard. Some mm -hmm. just slow them down. Difference. So I had to learn what a change up really was mm -hmm. and how it can be that much effective off your fastball. Yeah. Strauss told me a couple years ago, Steven Strasburg, that he thinks fastball with every pitch. And mm -hmm. if he has the same intent in his head and the same arm action, then it's gonna look the same to mm -hmm. the hitter. And you just let the, the grip and the pitch do the work. Exactly, so like for my changeup, like I was looking up um, on Trade Athletics out of Charlotte and they were saying, guys, like, well, my changeup, you know, it's hard, but it has a lot of sink or run or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. It's because I actually get, I have more extension on that changeup than Could I do on my fastball. So it just, you know, it just correlates hmm. to why everything looks the way it does. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, Carl, you had a lot of success with the Cubs. Um, did some big things with them in the postseason, put up really good numbers. Last couple of years, you bounced around a little bit. I'm curious what those last couple of years have taught you about yourself or have allowed you to appreciate now being back here in the big leagues and, and getting comfortable again? Uh, it's been mainly just um, do what got me here. Like, the stuff I did with them was what got me to the big leagues. When I fell in and started getting in trouble and, you know, wasn't being as successful, it was because I was trying to change into this person that I wasn't. So I just had to sit down and accept the fact that this is who I am. This is who I have to be. Like, this is the guy that I want to be. And if all fails, then, you know, it's time to hang up the cleats. But for me, um, it's just, I just literally went back to square one, day one, when my, me and my dad was in the backyard playing catch, just saying, focus on the mitt. And I literally just went back to that and just started trusting everything that I was doing, my preparation, my mound work, in the game, trusting my stuff that just, you know, basically let hitters get their stuff out. Mm just you know try to fit it up as much as possible and just see what your results are well it's been great having you here man wishing you lots of success the rest of the way and looking forward to watching you yes sir thank you carl edwards jr appreciate it yes sir brother that'll do it for the nats insider podcast this week thanks to everybody for listening we'll catch you next monday when the next nats insider podcast drops have a great week everybody